always amazing to see you actually be effusive by Philip Rivers because during the season you were shitting on him a lot. Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. It's the off-season and free agency is upon us and so are tags and everything, so let's go and figure out that. So hey, we got Connor here and we've got Ronan. Hello. Hey man, what's the crack? How's all down in Cork? Ah, not too bad. It's been a pretty shitty month overall. Uh, rain, sleet, snow, wind... Now, of course, uh, the old coronavirus is blowing into the locality uh, near me. Now, nothing, uh, we haven't got it quite as uh, close by, I suppose, as, as you have it right now, but mm. uh, we expect that things will be uh, shut down everything mode uh, within a week. Well, I, heard, I, heard, I heard they've cancelled the Paddy's Day Parade. Yeah, so, you know, it's a big deal when the Paddy's Day Parade's gone on. Now, if everyone was out drinking in the pubs and said, that's not actually very good because... Uh, Maybe too many people read those, like, alcohol kills the thing. Mm. And they're going, well, I was drinking up, then maybe it'll kill it. But unfortunately, uh, that, that is uh, not quite how it works. Maybe, maybe not the most stuff. medically sound advice, but still fun advice. You know, <laughs> and just, you know, just stock up on as much soap as you can. Like, these people wasting their money on the uh, alcohol, uh, the hand sanitizer. Mm. Get soap, that's the good shit. <laughs> that's, that's what actually gets rid of it. That's the good shit. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm, in, I'm in week two of lockdown over here in Iraq. So they closed uh, all the universities and colleges and schools for the month of March. Uh, so I've been off since the end of February. And all that's happened since is it's escalated. So now they've closed down all the cafes and bars, the gyms, the places where people can meet in groups of more than five people at any given time. Uh, it's uh, it's, it's, it's uh, certainly uh, escalating. And now we're starting to see some travel restrictions being brought in as well. Yeah, just, just imagine what they're doing in Madagascar. Like it's it's probably oh, yeah. like <laughs> Yeah, and then to top it all off, we've also got to get our we've got to get our residency permits renewed uh, at the end of March. So I've been on to the guy in our office who does that, who's a, like the government liaison. So he was like, "Yeah, look, it's fine. I rang them. I told them it'll probably be a day or two late, but we'll sort it out." And I was like, "Grand." Now I'm looking at it going. It'll probably be more than a day or two late. I can't even, I can't really see what's going to be different at the end of March than now. Yeah, it's going to change them. Policy-wise, yeah, I, I somehow don't see like their their immigration services being particularly active during a coronavirus. No, no, no one is like this is the thing. They closed down all the government offices as well, so it's all yeah. Yeah, there's you can see a lot of very tired parents who are just sick of you know it's been ten days of the children not having school <laughs> and they are so tired of them already. But um, but no, I suppose we should swing on into some of the NFL news rather than just the global pandemic news. So uh, we'll kick off. The main story is probably the CBA collective bargaining agreement that's been uh, hashed out. So it's not due for renewal until next year, but they were trying to get it put through now. Uh, so there was a CBA performed by the owners, 17-game season, having an extra playoff team. So you'd have six wildcard teams, only one team getting a bye. Uh, so you get one additional game. There'd be one less preseason game, and that they would slightly increase the the players' revenue share. Uh, so, it was it was a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, a lot of discussion was had about the wild card team being added and whether the value would be there to have them. And the seventeen game thing has become a very big issue with the uh, NFL Players Association. So they're very resistant to having a seventeen game season. They think that their share of the profits is too low, particularly for the extra. 
you know, impact on the body that the extra game would have and everything. And it was initially uh, rejected by a number of players. Uh, so they're now coming to a full vote. The voting has been extended by, I think, a week than what it was initially planned to. So I think we're due to have it closed on the 14th of March, my birthday, happy times, great time for that to happen. Um, and we'll see how it goes. They need just 50% plus one to pass it. There's no qualified majority stuff here. Um, but it's interesting because there's a lot of like, there's a lot of high name players coming out and going, oh, I don't like this or I don't like that. But for the most part, when it comes to these negotiations, yes, the faces of the franchises are the very high paid players, but the issue is that it's 35 plus people on every roster are going to be earning less than kind of two or three million. And that's what the Players Association need to be working on, because that's where most of the voting base is going to be coming from as well. So this is the thing. You've got two opposite ends happening at the same time. The high end players who don't want to have an extra game. But of course, if they're making 30 million a year, they don't really care about an extra 2% revenue that might be coming in. That could be a big difference if it means a change in the lower end salary scales for the, for, for the let's say, lesser players. Yeah, and that's basically the story of this. I suppose, like, you know, the, 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 the places where the CBA is bad for players is mostly still worse for players who are the superstars. So, for example, um, the franchise tag formula isn't changing at all. There's obviously been a lot of complaints from players about that who are on the upper end. Um, there's nothing really about you know guarant more guarantees um, for higher for bigger contracts basically. Though the way the market was going, that was kind of coming in naturally. And I think like the big one is that holdouts, um, the fines are now going to be mandatory. So previously, what happens? A player would hold out, um, they would come and then uh, they would come back and the player could choose to basically waive the fines and just pretend it never happened. Now those will be mandatory and they are now higher as well. So those are all things which either uh, don't improve the status quo or actually make the status quo worse for the type of player who has a lot of leverage, the kind of superstar mm -hmm. type quarterback, defensive end, that type of player. Players like J.J. Watt, players like Richard Sherman or, or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, the types of players who probably come out against it. Whereas the players who probably benefit the most, at least, you know, I suppose in the short, certainly in the short to medium term, are those minimum salary guys. There, I think the, the NFLPA made a big deal about getting those guys over a million uh, guaranteed as the minimum wage for a veteran who, who does a full season. That will happen, I think, within a couple of years of this contract, and they get a 20% increase straight up um, as soon as the CBA is signed. So I think getting towards that million-dollar thing was important to them. Mm -hmm. And there's various other things, like, for example, I believe to qualify for the equivalent of the pension, it now takes three years instead of four years, and that would be retrospective. So lots of stuff that's really important to players who you know, are going to be in the league for their rookie contract, but maybe not much more beyond that. Um, you know, the average league, they're in the league for like three or four seasons. Yeah. Basically, the length of the rookie contract is not a coincidence. And there is also some other stuff like regarding, I think, like a special cap dispensation for a couple of like mid-level um, for like uh, veteran type players where they can be kept off the book. So lots of really small stuff like that. Uh, that benefits the majority of players but doesn't really do much for these players that we've all heard of who we probably mm -hmm. are likely to be following on Instagram but I think like the big story of this negotiation was that the NFL came in with basically two big things it wanted 
Uh, probably the big, big thing it wanted was an extra um, regular season game, a 17-week season, and importantly, not even with an additional bye week, which would have considered to be kind of an obvious kind of compromise position, I suppose. And then the additional playoff uh, team as well. I think the playoff thing is less important because the players are probably, you know, it doesn't affect most of the players, and they're probably happy enough, whereas the extra game affects every player, and, you know, players who are more worried about their health and their long-time survivability, which is mostly, once again, the veterans, the people who are... Who, who are worried about 10 years from now rather than just getting another year in the league and how long they're going to get paid. Um, that is the kind of stuff that they're worried about because obviously it's, it's such a highly attritional league mm. that you know those injuries and without guarantees and nothing on that way, they're worried about that. Legitimately so. I'm, and we've seen in recent years as well an increase in more players deciding to opt to cut their careers short to avoid yeah. injury later on. So your Luke Keekley's, your uh, I think there's actually a number of linebackers in particular who are doing this, but some other players as well. Uh, Megatron as well being one of the superstars because they just thought this is taking a toll on the body I've got enough money that I can survive on this and yeah like there's this give and take that's going to have to happen on this but also just I think the relationship between when you enter that you've just got a okay we've got this person for five years that is probably going to have to be looked at in a bit because particularly yeah. when we look at the likes of running backs and we'll talk about some of them in the free agency stuff but like the careers are so much shortened now versus certain other positions that if they can have you for four or five years plus a year or two on a tag, then like that's that's your entire career gone essentially. No one's giving a twenty nine year old a monster contract. At that but point. I think I think stuff like the rookie scale is unfortunate because you know I suppose the reason the rookie scale was brought in was because like yeah like wages for rookies was getting out of control. But the system we have right now is way more I suppose severe in terms of like suppressing the wages of these mm-hmm. players versus what they would get based on their market value coming in. Uh, but I think, you know, importantly, uh, it would be very hard to imagine that even if a, a rookie scale change was made, that it would retrospectively apply to yeah. already drafted players. And since, you know, future players don't have a vote, obviously that exactly, means that the rookie yeah. scale, similar to the issue with the you know veteran players who represent a very tiny minority of the NFL playing group, even more so for hypothetical rookies, there's no one in the room advocating for them. Mm-hmm. Now, there is one group who actually does benefit in this. Um, who aren't in the room, which is the veterans. Apparently, this is a pretty good deal for veterans. Kind of like actually gives them a lot more healthcare and stuff like that. And as I said, that like going from having only needing three years versus four years, so and some of the healthcare stuff is actually a little bit better. But I suppose maybe most players recognise that someday they'll be veterans, so it's a little bit different there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's it, it, it like it, it, like I think general indications are right now that the fifty percent plus one will be passed by this. And that, you know, that means we'll have the CBA in there. And once the CBA is passed, uh, now on the 14th, then expect a day or two of absolute mayhem as teams start, you know, putting their tags on, start doing trades, start doing extensions. Mm. It's going to be crazy because there's only going to be a couple of days between when this vote is officially recognized and when the league year opens and when everything goes crazy every year. So, you know, when we talk about today's free agency preview, there's a huge amount of extra uncertainty because this CBA negotiation will reset everything that we know about the franchise tax, everything we know about the wage scale, expectations, salary cap, etc. And so everything right now is up in the air. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting stuff that will happen based on what happens uh, in this vote. Yeah, so like we said, this vote will be happening and we'll know about it next week. Uh, and then that'll impact so what we're going to do in our free agency preview is we're going to go through everywhere position by position who's available or likely to be available uh, what the options would be and where we see them kind of sitting we'll run through the other news from around the league first though so uh, crime and punishment what are they doing it's probably felonies it definitely is for Greg Robinson Jesus Christ (laughs) 
Free agent off the tackle Greg Robinson was arrested in possession of 157 pounds of weed at a border checkpoint in Texas. He's facing 20 years in prison for this. Apparently, this same border checkpoint, there's been two or three other famous people caught bringing a load of weed through previously, like a country singer and stuff like that. Um, yeah, he was maybe questionable whether he would be like in the market for a job anyway. And I think this just makes sure that's not happening. Yeah, like this is, uh, yeah, like sometimes it's just, yeah, you literally did the dumb thing and he did the extremely dumb thing. Now, mm-hmm. like, let, let's not get into the uh, whatever about weed and its, and its eth- ethicalness, but like, uh, but... Shifting yeah, 157 so, pounds of it. Yeah, like, like that's, that is probably intention to distribute right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently he had an accomplice there. I think he might have also been like a, a former player. Uh, and I think they were trying to bribe the driver to take the blame for it. And the driver isn't an idiot, so that didn't mm-hmm. quite work out. But yeah, no, like Greg Robinson, he was kind of on the way out in Cleveland. I think they were going to release him before this. They were dancing, they were going to release him before this came up. But this mm-hmm. is just, yeah, like this is a serious felony here. I expect that he'll do at least some jail time unless he gets a very good plea deal. And uh, yeah, this will probably be the last time we see of the, uh, I think former was it number two overall? I think he was, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, quite the, the fall for him. Yeah, uh, another person doing stupid stuff, New York Jets uh, defensive tackle Quentin Williams decided that he, while going home to Alabama, wanted to bring his gun with him because his gun missed Alabama too. Um, so he was caught in the airport with it. Apparently this is a lesser charge because he didn't have bullets loaded into the gun or not in the same container as the gun at the same time. America, man. But like, <laughs> this, is, this is a fairly serious thing. Now, they, we've seen this with this caveat of there not being bullets in or in the immediate vicinity of the gun result in a much smaller kind of slap on the wrist thing but it's still dumb as shit now we'll yeah. give him this much quinn williams does have a license for the firearm but it's a license for it in um alabama. in alabama where he was traveling uh so kind of maybe see what he was thinking but like don't fucking bring a gun to an airport like just don't be sure because he he he'd been playing well for the Jets. Uh, you know they have kind of they, they they like the player. They want him. They obviously have plans for him in the future with the organization. Man, this is stupid. Yeah, I think it was a bit of a culture shock because obviously we're both based in uh, well, you're based in Iraq right now, but we're both from Ireland, both from Europe, where it's like they brought a gun onto a plane. That's a really really serious offense. Yeah. But apparently, in the US. If you take the correct precautions and, you know, make sure that it's safe. It's like locked you know, in a box and you've got it clear yeah. or whatever, yeah. Freedom, freedom is, you know, it's mm. America's taste and it's it's not as big a deal if you do it all by the book. Obviously, the problem is here that multiple levels he didn't do it by the book in terms of the gun license, mm. being from Alabama, not New York. And obviously, he, I think he just had it on him, basically, like yeah. an idiot. Uh, Imagine so, just going like, through, like, the metal detector going off and going, oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot this and just pull out the yeah. gun. Like. So, so I think for us it's hard to imagine that why you'd be allowed to have a gun on a plane, mm-hmm. uh, but America has a different way, and yeah, it sounds like based on the the previous precedents and stuff like that, that he'll probably face a fairly significant fine, but probably won't face any jail time here. Yeah, so we are. A couple of reinstatements. Uh, Miles Garrett, the defensive end for Cleveland, has been reinstated. This follows uh, him attacking uh, attacking a Pittsburgh quarterback <laughs> with his own helmet. Um, which then has since come out, you know, he said that he was using racial slurs. Uh, the quarterback is claiming he wasn't, but kind of looked like he probably was in the context of it. And then his, his, his own MAGA, slightly white, powery background. 
Yeah, and uh, apparently, like the representatives of Mason Rudolph are, are threatening libel and stuff. We'll see if that goes anywhere. But I think, like, I think obviously Miles Garrett didn't really have any other previous um, marks against them. Yeah, no so history think, of this kind of stuff. Like, and yeah. It was, so it was, I think that if you if like, you remember back to the time, like this was a this was a thing where he took the shot. They were winning by two and a half scores with like ten seconds left on the yeah. clock. It wasn't a point that they should be getting to that. So it did seem like there was some kind of instigating factor and. He got kicked in the dick. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that I think that and just the first time offence means that I think it's the kind of thing that I think a player with a more spotty record would be looking at a more difficult situation. But I suppose as we're going to see in a moment, you know, there, you know, on the field incidents, just it's very difficult to be kept off. I was going to say, like, yeah, speaking, speaking of players with maybe spottier records, Vontes Burfitt has now been reinstated as well. Uh, is anyone going to take a shot at him? <laughs> Look, I thought he wouldn't get a shot last year, and yet somehow he keeps uh, managing to yeah. to wheedle his way back in. Um, his, his, and, his play looked a little bit fallen off as well. He wasn't playing as well last year. And like we said, there's always this element, particularly with like, you know, essentially PR nightmares like this guy that... It's unfortunate, but they will probably have jobs until the talent level doesn't outweigh the you know pain in the hole that they're going to be from a PR perspective yeah. and I think he's probably now past that level uh, I, I would think so but I think there's just some coaches in the league who, who are like well he's talented and he, he gets the, he has the right attitude he's a sport. banger he knows uh, how to, he, he plays, he's a banger <laughs> he, he plays good old school 1970s football kind of but it's it's stupid. It's not worth the risk, and no. yeah, like I wouldn't take him, especially if the veteran con- minimum veteran contracts going up. Definitely not yeah. worth it to him. Fair enough. Let's go. A couple of retirements. Is obviously this is retirement season. Darren Sproles retires, and um, I think he, I, it feels like it's pr- properly this time. But he has done this before. Um, yeah. But I think he's done done now. Yeah, I think he's, he's one of those fun players, like Hall of Good, like always mm. entertaining the watch. Great uh, returner, great running back, great guy for all accounts, and just. Someone that you know, uh, I suppose, just fought fought out there for the little guy and a uh, mm. nice story there. But uh, yeah, I think given his age and given where he was at uh, the last few times we saw him on the field, like I think he could still be okay. But he's nothing more than that now, and no, probably better off just taking his health and his paychecks and, and enjoying the rest of his life. Yeah, Eric Weddle's retiring. The uh, safety for the LA Chargers has said that he's retiring a Raven because fuck the LA Chargers. Essentially, this is not the First time that we've seen the Chargers end on bad terms with ex players or even ex cities, um, probably not. <laughs> like, probably just not all that surprising at all. Because Weddle was quite vocal at the time of not being happy with the management and with the coaching and with how they were handling stuff. So I can I can kind of see this. Yeah, and he he obviously left the Chargers under a cloud given his relationship with the organization. Dean Spanos is probably in that um, less rich, more frugal. Like ownership who tend to make bad decisions, like Cincinnati, mm-hmm. for example, and to extend probably like the Raiders. Um, but he went to the Ravens; it looked pretty good for a number of years, and uh, I think he's happy to retire now as well. Like he's probably one of the players that's just just below Hall of Fame consideration. But he did have a really good career, and he's maybe one of those guys that might sneak in uh, in the long run um, if you yeah. have chances. But he was just a great, solid player. Just always gave everything he had, and uh, uh, obviously. He, you know, he, he should uh, have a good retirement as well. No, of course. And another safety, Mike Adams, is also retired uh, too. 
Tony Robos, Jay, well, he was up in the job market. He was he was on the he was on the free agency uh, tracker there, but uh, he signed a deal with CBS to stay with them for seventeen million per year. I believe it's a ten year deal, so it's worth one hundred and seventy million. This is nearly double the most he ever earned for a year as a quarterback uh, within the league. I think he averaged out at about eight and a half a year. Um, he was being chased by ESPN, who were you know put, putting up a good game to try and get him, but. Uh, now that he said no, he's got the money from CBS, they're expected to take another run at getting Peyton Manning into the booth and pair him with, uh, was it Jim? No, no, Jim is staying with Tony, isn't he? Tessator, I think, is who they have. Uh, okay, he's not yeah, and useless. Yeah. So they're looking <laughs> yeah, to pick so... up Peyton Manning for their Monday Night Football slate. Uh, apparently, one of the big pushes on this is that Romo being with CBS, they are bidding for the Super Bowl in three years' time or something. And yeah, yeah. or two years time, and they think that this would be a big selling point for them being able to to, to get that. Uh, yeah, which so I'd love to see Romo calling the Super Bowl. I believe all of the uh, rights are up in twenty twenty two. Um, so yeah, there is an indication there that you want to be the premier product, the premier uh, broadcaster, and making sure you keep the talent is important because ESPN has been a money losing operation for a while, but it is owned by Disney, and Disney might given their current monopolistic behavior, be looking to sniff around and turn this into a, mm. a Disney a Disney Wonderland, the NFL. Um, but yeah, like Peyton Manning, ESPN have been trying to get him for multiple years, basically since he retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've had no success thus far, but I think it just reflects how poorly their product um, is now considered. Obviously, the Jason Witten experiment went horribly. Um, bringing Booger in as a more major factor in 2019 did not go well, uh, considering the Booger meme of him pointing out everything obvious uh, and or just being wrong uh, ended up being a major thing. So I think for ESPN, they're just desperate to get someone like John Gruden, not even necessarily someone who's brilliant, uh, though Tony Romo would have been that, uh, but I think they're just desperate to have someone that doesn't make people hate them, basically. Mm. Um, but apparently that's much more difficult than you imagine. So I imagine that if they don't get Peyton Manning, they might throw money at one of the established people. But the reason they're established is that they're in a good situation to get paid a fair amount of money. Um, and going to what feels like a sinking ship over the last few years is a risky move for these kind of veteran guys. No, of course. Uh, we'll have a quick look at some of the pre-free agency transactions that have happened. Uh, so this will impact some of the players we're discussing. Franchise tags, like we said, this is somewhat up in the air because there's franchise tags and there's transition tags. And if the CBA is agreed, I believe they can only use one of those uh, instead of both of them or something along the line. There's, there's basically some confusion that can happen on the new terms. Yeah. Uh, but basically, what we've heard reported yeah, so far. So, oh, go on. Yeah, so basically, there is the franchise tag, um, which there's an exclusive and non exclusive bit, but that's not important. So there's the franchise tag, which basically guarantees you that player, except in very exceptional circumstances, of the non exclusive tag. Um, so basically, if you franchise a player, you own them, and you know they, you own them for a year, basically. Um, whereas the transition tag is one where you offer them like the average of the top ten uh, wages at the time of their position, uh, but other teams have the right to talk to that player. Uh, but the team who transition transition tag them has the right to match any offer given mm-hmm. by another team under transition tag. So what's happening right now, while the CBA isn't hasn't been approved in the final year of the CBA, you can actually use both tags. Um, a franchise and a transition tag uh, but if the CBA is approved which is up in the air obviously right now one of those tags would have to be invalidated if a team had taken the choice 
to do so. So that's why there's some indications that they might delay the tag window to more closely align with the NFLPA's yeah. uh, vote on the CBA. So it's all very confusing right now, but we do have a good indication of what teams are looking at uh, uh, transitioning some of their players. Yeah, like we'll, we'll go into them in detail in the actual free agency section, but we've got uh, people who we've heard reports are going to be tagged if there's not extensions in place with them. Dak Prescott for the Dallas Cowboys, Chris Jones for Kansas City, Yannick Ngakwe for Jacksonville, AJ Green for Cincinnati, uh, Derek Henry for Tennessee, Shaq Barrett for Tampa Bay, Bud Dupree for Pittsburgh, Justin Simmons for Denver, uh, Brandon Schrafe for Washington, and Hunter Henry for the Chargers. Uh, and New Orleans have also decided to put a first-round tender on QB Taysom Hill, which means another team can pick him up, but they'd have to give a first-round pick to the New Orleans yep. Saints if they want to take him. So that's a restricted yep. free agent. So he's a free agent, but they have the they essentially have first call on his rights. Um, yeah, and uh, te- technically they're still allowed to trade him for less than a first-rounder. So it's all... Taysom Hill, we, we're not going to talk about him today, but he's one of these uh, intriguing players that... I, like Basically, I think if the CBA was in, he probably would have been... Something would be certain by now, but because of the CBA thing, it's all very unknown, but... The Saints actually want to keep him, or whether they're looking to shop him for a mm-hmm. bit of money, a bit of trade money. Yeah, Denver uh, traded the fourth round pick to Jacksonville for quarterback AJ Bouye. Uh, he's played pretty well of late, but he's due a lot of money. This is going to also cause some issues with Denver probably down the line because I think this means that they're currently spending something like 50 or 55, 60 million of their cap just on their cornerbacks, which is a uh, a lot of money to having in there. But I suppose that also involves a. a, a, a uh, franchise tag number on their safety as well so uh, maybe that'll yeah. clear them they have the space for it I think I like the pickup for Denver I think he'll fit well in their system particularly with the likes of Chris Harris going to be gone and stuff from there it's, it's a smart yeah. move I think it is a smart move I think he's a good player and I think uh, you know obviously their head coach Big Fangio thinks that this is someone who can play well within the system and maybe better suits I think Chris Harris and uh, I think it also probably gives indication Chris Harris is getting his agent is getting numbers that mean that they weren't willing to keep him. And I think, yeah, for a fourth-round pick, a player of AJ Boye's um, stature, even if he didn't have the best 2019, I think is a is a big thing. I suppose uh, Jacksonville's defense, I suppose, loses another one of those veterans from that yeah. one good defense they had. So Jacksonville right now, I don't know what they're up to. Well, but Jacksonville have to be this year. Like we'll, we'll get into it later on in the offseason in our like team by team run through, but like they have to be in kind of blow it up territory. Like yeah. you know, they're they're spending what twenty two million of their cap on a quarterback but who's not gonna play. It doesn't play. make sense because they kept their head coach and their GM. Oh I know, it doesn't make look, I didn't say it makes sense, I just said it's what they're doing. Uh the Chargers are involved in a trade. This is an interesting one, you don't see this very often. They're trading their offensive tackle Russell Okun for the offensive guard Trey Turner from Carolina. So Carolina pick up a tackle, probably much needed when you look at the stats they had from last year and just how Swiss cheese that offensive line was, because uh, it was all edge rushers are going to getting in. Uh, Trey Turner is a very good guard over the last while. Is I think probably Chargers are coming out to the better in this just because of youth and like because Okun is good, but he's also he's, he's he's up there in years, isn't he? Yeah. So he's he's I think thirty one. He also coming off. Uh, I think a pulmonary embolism or something mm. like that. So, yeah, like, yeah. so uh, I think they're getting a one-year contract, but that probably gives an indication that Carolina is another team like Jacksonville, which is in full-on blow-it-up mode under their new head coach, Matt Rule. Mm. Um, basically, the reports indicate that Carolina are basically willing to trade anyone and everyone up to and including Christian McCaffrey 
and like Cam Newton is only really going to be quarterback there because they can't sell him because he's injured. Um, so I think you know the Chargers they saw someone who you know obviously they thought is a, a young guard, although he's got a high value contract. You know we can build here, we we can we can challenge for next year if we get a quarterback in there because the rest of the team is pretty solid. And you can yeah. see obviously we'll talk about the extension for one of their uh, one of their touchdowns here. But uh, yeah, I think like. Russell Okun, it's a one-year contract. Apparently, he has some relationship with the new offensive line coach. The offensive line Carolina. coach was his line coach, I think. Yeah. So say, yeah. there's some stuff there, but I would agree. Yes, like Russell Okun's only been brought in there as a rental. If he works mm-hmm. out and they extend him, great. But you know, I think for the caliber player Tri Turner is, mm-hmm. um, even if his play was a bit down in 2019, it definitely feels that Carolina are just they have very specific wants under Matt Rule, and Tri Turner didn't meet those apparently no of course uh, extensions we got two to talk about the Chargers had decided you know what we had that star running back holdout let's pay our running backs but let's not pay the guy who held out so Austin Eckler has been given a four year 24 and a half million dollar contract with 15 million guaranteed um, he was a big player for them particularly in the passing game coming out of the backfield I think he had nearly a thousand yards uh, receiving and yep. stuff like he's very valuable but this guy came in as an undrafted free agent, had earned almost nothing up to this time properly. So he's gone off and said, perfect, give me that 15 million guaranteed. Give me the chance at 25. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he, he was very effusive about how happy he is about getting millions of dollars in media <laughs> dealing. He's like, I can't believe it. It's, I just never thought I'd be like this. And he's like, he, he's pretty bloody delighted with how things have worked out. And no, like, to be course. fair, we saw early on last year when Melvin Gordon was holding out that he is perfectly capable of being a running back one he is a dynamic playmaker can make you know 80 90 yard gains mm. um uh, like i suppose there is a worry that you know if you go to a different quarterback he doesn't have quite the same i suppose understanding of the game as philip rivers um that could affect his production because he's probably not going to turn into you know an inside runner completely yeah. um but i think he's you know all, like a bit like christian mccaffrey maybe he's underestimated because of his stature and stuff like that like, 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 like he's excellent in the passing game would work well as a kind of safety yeah. valve for a young quarterback if they have one coming up or even just you know getting he's a modern running back and you can find a thumper running back for pennies these days yeah, in yeah. The market end. No, no, that's perfect. In Arizona extend offensive tackle DJ Humphrey. Three years, 45 million, 29 million guaranteed. It's a fair chunk of change, uh, but we've seen how much these tackles get paid in the open market. So this is probably below market rate to a certain extent. Um, and I suppose yeah. stabi- stability when you've got the rookie quarterback in there is something that they want to maintain. And he obviously get on, gets on well with, uh, with, with uh, Kyler. Yeah, and I think like Arizona are desperate for offensive line talent. I think this has been a bit of an overpay, but I think they will be probably dipping into the free agent market. I'd say they'll probably dip into the draft market as well. They just need to build a whole new offensive line. And I suppose with a player like Kyler Murray, the requirements are slightly different because he gets out of the pocket so much. Mm-hmm. He's so athletic. So obviously they like what they saw with DJ Humphreys last year. The Hickey suits that type of system. So you know he gets a pretty generous deal here. But for mm-hmm. someone who was busy on the scrap heap. Um, for the last couple of years, he, he's probably happy enough to take the money and go oh, from there. Yeah. Thirty million guaranteed. Take that in a heartbeat. Uh, so new signing: Seattle signed tight end Greg Olson, one year, seven million dollar contract, at five and a half million guaranteed. Uh, you know, you want a bit more assistance uh, at tight end, I suppose. Um, yeah, like uh, uh, yeah, I suppose the hope is that Will Disley will be back from his injury, yeah. and he was obviously looked like a tight oh, end. He was one. brilliant when, uh, he was, when he was yeah. still upright. But, 
Greg Olson is good insurance. Um, he should be, uh, if Jacob Hollister is brought back, I think Jacob Hollister, Will Disley and Greg Olson, if they're all healthy and ready to go at the beginning of the season, it's a pretty good room. And uh, mm. yeah, I think he, he still got, I think we saw Jason Witten be a kind of back end, like maybe top 12 type tight end last year. So James, Jason Witten can still kind of get it done. I think Greg Olson can still have a bit of something to tank, particularly in the red zone. Yeah, when I look, and then Buffalo signed quarterback Josh Norman for a one-year $6 million deal. This is after Washington released him. I think of 145 uh, qualified cornerbacks, he ranked 142nd yeah. or something. He uh, was not good for the last while. Yeah, but Sean McDermott was the defensive coordinator when he had his best years in mm-hmm. Carolina. And it's basically no real risk. Uh, so I think he's just there as competition in, in camp to see if he has anything left in the tank. Uh, I probably don't think he has much left. No, sure. I don't like, think so he definitely his best chance to try and get back into the league. No, of course. And just a couple of cuts. Uh, Minnesota, Emerson uh, Griffin is gutting voided his own contract. Uh, Marcel Darius for the Jacksonville Jaguars, they declined the $20 million option that was in his contract. So he's out. Uh, Chicago have let Prince of Mucamara, quarterback go, and Taylor Gabriel, wide receiver, go. And uh, Detroit, Damian Snacks Harrison is no longer their space yeah. eater up the middle. Um, yeah. So, an interesting group here. Do we see any yeah. of these featuring highly? Yeah, I think Everson Griffin will have a pretty good market. Apparently, Minnesota are interested in bringing him back. I think this Marcel is, this Darius... is an agreement that they had to let him go out and test the market, essentially. Yeah. I think he's, he's older, he's in his 30s, but he is an effective pass rusher that's always going to get paid something. Marcel Darius is one of those players that he, he, from the inside he can bring pressure. He is pretty good against the run, so maybe people will take a punt on him. Mm-hmm. And then Amukamura and Gabriel are, are big players who should get a contract somewhere. And Snacks Harrison, depends who you talk to. Some people say he lost his bite in, in Detroit there. Um, but he is someone who is uh, one of the best run stuffers in the league on his day. There's lots of other kind of small contract stuff that's obviously happened over the last month or so, but it has been relatively taking a very quiet uh, pre-free agency period. Mm. So I think we have a lot of interesting players to talk about as we get to the free agency preview. Yeah, so why not? We'll just swing over there now and have a look at the free agency preview. So we'll have a look at the free agency now. Uh, so... It's an interesting year at it because it, for the last probably decade it's been an ongoing thing of there's not enough quarterbacks around the league whereas now we actually seem to have maybe too many for the amount of starting positions that will be available. We've also got like decent amount of running backs hitting the market as well uh, partially due to people just drafting them and not wanting to pay aging veterans but also you know just that I think there's a lot of change in the approach that a couple of these teams are going to be taking uh, and there's a lot of kind of retreads that people have had for a year and don't like the fit in their systems there's a lot less at wide receiver and particularly a lot less at tight end actually when you were mentioning the Seattle ones earlier I wouldn't be surprised if you had all three of them healthy going in you might find a trade market for your third tight end to land somewhere else yeah Jacob Hollister was pretty good at the end of last year so yeah. that surprised me yeah and then there's there's a pretty decent O-line market there there's a lot of high-end pass rushers and stuff like that that'll be available or more likely given the propensity of it last year to have them get tags and then get traded on the tags because that happened with a number of players last season so uh it should be an interesting one yeah like i don't know defensive tackle is so so cornerback is okay depending on scheme fit so i suppose we'll just go position by position and have a look at the first one is obviously going to be quarterback like so people in the market for quarterbacks, 
Chargers have split with Philip Rivers. Tampa Bay are probably looking. Chicago needs something. Miami are going to roll with Tannehill, but they're probably going to bring in someone alongside him. Carolina are in the hunt, but it's looking increasingly like they're going to just roll with Cam this season, maybe draft his replacement or set up to get his replacement in the following year. So and of course, New England, which is obviously our top uh, yeah. free agent quarterback. <laughs> yeah, so our number one free agent quarterback, Tom Brady, is on the market and has been having meetings with other teams and has had his agent talking with people at the draft and at the combine and stuff like that. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting one. He's looked less good over the last kind of year or two. Uh, particularly last year, he seemed to fall off a little bit, but I don't know if that was purely the lack of wide receiver talent that they had in the in the building or what it was. But yeah, like he's still probably in that kind of elite or near elite group. So there would definitely be a market out there for him. Yeah, and TB12 is a brand. It's not just the quarterback. And like, there's you can have questions over how effective a quarterback is. Tom Brady compared to the league, but I still think he's a he's certainly a top twelve, as you say, quarterback. Still, uh, he obviously had needs very specific system based on quick passing, on a good understanding mm-hmm. of wide receivers. But the TB12 brand, Tom Brady as a player, to bring him into your franchise oh, yeah. is a huge statement of intent and we know there's a number of teams looking to make that type of statement of intent oh, yeah. teams like you're trying the to Raiders up, yeah you're trying to set yeah. up in a new city you're you're the Chargers you're the Raiders you're one of these guys who need yeah. someone in like and then you've also got you've got teams that are almost ready made there because one actually that we left off there uh, Indianapolis are definitely looking for a quarterback like, yeah without a question so like, um the only the yeah, only issue that they have is that they have a lot of money invested uh, in I think this I think it's like twenty two and a half million against the cap for uh, Jake Brisket this uh, yeah. this season but I think a lot of that is already guaranteed so there's not much they can do with that yeah. Um, but yeah like Tom Brady would be now the, the question is obviously would, do we really think that he would leave New England yeah. So, so the official line is that you know they've talked but that the CBA has made it difficult to do proper contract negotiation but you know the whole way the contract was structured last year the fact there was no franchise tag involved the fact that they automatically expired we thought at the time like this is a bit suspicious but i think we all thought this will never happen but maybe just maybe you know he's getting this close due to the cba situation you know he's he's going to get those contract that money out there Mm -hmm. and he might go like you know, people have been saying Bill Belichick is built B. I haven't doing this himself, so maybe he wants to do that challenge. Like I personally, I just find it very hard to imagine them anywhere else. But that might just be like you know, kind of status quo bias at work. But yeah, it, it's a lot more likely now than it has been ever. Like you know, when you think about the rumors stuff when Jimmy Garoppolo was there, mm-hmm. like right now it does actually feel like a real live potential. And I think if teams are already lining up. To, to put the money under his nose that kind of will put you at the center of things you will be the on uh like the undisputed champion of our team the yeah. architect of our team can he be tempted away mm. you never know but it's hard to leave a team that's been so successful so many rings so much reputation and of course you might worry about your post like uh, i know he'll never be hated in new england but like just tarnishing it a little bit by choosing to leave so it's a very complicated situation yeah because it's also it's also a spot where like he's he's 44 now, isn't he? Or he'll turn 44 for this upcoming season. So like, I think he's 43, but yeah. Okay, I thought he turns during the season, but like basically he is like you're not you're not looking at more than a two year contract here. Like it's not a it's not a this is a cornerstone of where this is the next four years of life in Las Vegas kind of thing. 
So there's also that element to it as well of that rather than a payday, it's been mentioned a couple of times that what he's looking for is he'll take less money if they'll get, like spend it on the wide receivers for him or the linemen yeah. that he wants and stuff. So I think it's probably going to just come down to a fit situation. That's why I look at the Colts and I kind of go, that's a team that is pretty much ready to go. It's got a good offensive line. It's got some good weapons on the outside. Like that was well, like the Colts. Uh, like I don't want to disparage the Colts organization, but like since they got rid of Grigson and stuff like that, they have become a boring organization. They don't. Yeah. They don't take huge risks. Um, but Tom so Brady is an incredibly game. boring person. <laughs> yes, but as a move, it would basically <laughs> shake everything up. And I think you know they might go for someone. Uh, we'll talk about the moment something like Philip Rivers where mm. if it doesn't work out you can cut and run without too much of an issue whereas if Tom Brady like you know if you get Tom Brady and you pay him all his money how hard are you going to find it to bench him if he doesn't turn out to be as good as you want him to be yeah that's true I'm actually I disagree with your two and three here so I'm going to swap them because I think Philip Rivers is the next most interesting one mostly just because you have Dak Prescott in there I think neither of us really think he's getting out of Dallas yeah, I suppose just to briefly mention him, yeah, like he's likely to get tagged or extended uh, or both, depending on the sequencing. Mm. Um, but I think it's just fun to imagine that if he gets, if he did manage to make free agency, you'd probably be looking at the first 40 million quarterback. I think he'd get money even more than even Patrick Mahomes is getting associated right now because that free agency market, Dak Prescott, given the year, especially he had in 2019, yeah. he would get absolutely boatloads of money. But I think you're right. The, the Dallas Cowboys aren't an organization that lets their stars go. Mm-hmm. And I think they do see him as the future in that team. And he's obviously got a good reputation there. Um, so, yeah, that's, it'd be very hard to see it happening. But yeah. the, the, the money he would make. <laughs> yeah, he would make bank. Uh, Philip Rivers has obviously been released by the Chargers. So he's up looking for a new position. Uh, like you said, Indianapolis, I think, are the favorites at the moment to land him. But equally, like we said, there's a number of other teams who would be interested. Uh, he... Like he wasn't great last year. There's a lot of mistakes happening, and the question is, was that purely a system-based thing? Was it that he's kind of slipping off that much? Because he has been, well, not like a he's not not been to a Super Bowl or anything like that. But he has been consistently in very high passing numbers, very good yardage and touchdowns. Normally, outside of the last maybe two or three years, was normally pretty good at the stopping the turnover stuff. But like he's definitely he's definitely an improvement on about half of these teams. Like I would. I would love to see put him on the Bears and they would fucking run riot. I think. I think they'd. I think they'd be monsters. Yeah, it is always amazing to see you actually be effusive by Philip Rivers because during the season you were shitting on him a lot. Oh he's, yeah, I think, no, no, I think he's, he's, he's a moron and he's a douche. But like, I think <laughs> put him in a put him on a team that's as complete as the Bears and he would he'd, he'd dance you to a fucking championship game. I think given. His status now, I think the big thing you saw in the last couple of years is that when he's put under pressure these days, he doesn't have the same slippiness or elusiveness he once had to kind of get out of that. So I think if he's going to go into a team, you probably want them to have a good offensive line. And I think that's the thing that the Colts have alongside having previous connections with Frank Reich and some of the other staff there. So I think the fact, you know, they have Quinton Nelson, they have pretty good tackles. I think that's a, and they have like Ryan Kelly at center. That is a team that could protect Philip Rivers, let him get going, that can lead on the run game of Marlon Mack. And, you know, I think Philip Rivers could be more of a complementary piece mm. that, you know, understands the game, that can push everything a little bit further up in terms of his overall uh, ability to do that rather than, um, you know, getting sacked half the time and throwing 20 picks. Yeah. So I think he, I think if he went to Indianapolis, I think that's a solid team 
that he could just end up being the final piece there because I think he, he offers obviously just a lot more football smarts or just natural understanding of the game than someone like Jacoby Brissett. I think for the system that they have uh, and for the way that they play, I think that would be more than adequate to kind of get Indianapolis uh, back to where I suppose they hoped to be when they had Andrew Luck before he retired. No, of course. A couple of the other names that are there. So Ryan Tannehill obviously had a great season this year. Uh, I don't really see him leaving. I, can, I, I, think, I think they're going to keep him. I think they'll tag... Yeah. Henry and they'll pay give give him a decent two year deal or something like that yeah. with uh with with the money up front and then an option to get out of or whatever. Um, I, I think importantly, I don't think the market will be that out of out of control given all the options you have here. So yeah. I think that means that they should be even if he does make for, to free agency, they should still be able to get him just offer a little bit more to the other team or even a little bit less, and I think he'd be happy to stay yeah. where he is. And here's 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 a couple of the other ones. So James Winston over five thousand yards, but the thirty and thirty kind of like. You know, apparently he's getting basic. laser eye surgery now, yeah. so uh, so it might be better. Uh, Andy Dalton is out there, so you know, not great, but serviceable. Probably an improvement yeah. over some of the people that are there. Uh, Technically a trade candidate, but you'd be getting him for pretty cheap. I yeah, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, who played very well in the four game stretch when he came in for Drew Brees, or was it three or four games? Either way, looked looked pretty good during that period. But like you know, it's still you know. I, I, I like him as a candidate for landing in some of these spots, but I can also see why people might go, ah, look, he was grand, but you know we don't want to yeah. pay him. Because this is the thing, is like the question is going to be, with this many people on the market, will it depress down the prices of these kind of mid to lower section guys? Because then there's a lot more viability in them. Yeah. Um, Derek Carr is always just being talked about being traded. Yeah, like the, that's still coming up a bit, but I, I, I don't expect it to be traded unless they do sign someone like Tom Brady. And for Teddy... Um, his agent is putting some interesting numbers out there, but yeah, I don't expect. Oh, is this, is this the agent who said like something like thirty million a year? Yeah. Or something? <laughs> like, oh, one sided contract that's worth less than thirty million. I was like, over what? Three years? Like, fuck off. And then you have your kind of competition, maybe to kind of revive their careers. Like Marcus Mariota is a free agent. Nick Foles is a trade candidate. I think Cam Newton's probably off the market now. These uh, Cam Newton would actually be a starter, but like Marcus Mariota, Nick Foles. There's a few other people like Case Keenum. Yeah. Um, Nick, 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 Nick Foles is difficult because Nick, Nick Foles will be cheap for you, but you'll have to yeah. give up pick for him because they have, I think they've, they have to pay him something like 26 million or that, and no one is taking Nick Foles at 26 million, so they'd have to pay a lump of that contract off, so presumably you'd have to fire like a second round pick and they pay two thirds of that contract and then you have them cheap for a year or something. That's just trying to avoid a, a controversy basically. If, they, if they're all in a mint shoot, you don't want to keep Nick Foles around because it's going to just create quarterback headaches for the rest of the season and Mariota is, like I suppose people are talking about Mariota is potentially the new Tannehill where he'd go in somewhere get an opportunity look good and then mm-hmm. get his stock back up yeah. I don't really see it with him to be honest personally but uh, he's, you know, he's, that's what they're hoping for he, he's who I expect will land on the Bears I think that he's going to yeah. land there and be the backup uh, and then it'll be enough that then they could say six games in okay we'll let him take a few games uh and I'll figure it out. Uh, we'll move on to running backs. We'll fly a little bit quicker through these ones. So there's a couple of teams interested. It would be Miami, Houston, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, Kansas City, a few spots like that. Um, our top three here are probably Derek Henry. Uh, although, like I said, we reckon he'd probably get the tag for this year. He had a monster season, looked unstoppable for like the back 14 games of the, of, yeah. of the whole thing. Like, um, yeah, just 
really, really, really good, but is that kind of large-bodied physical runner that you're worried about that deteriorating a lot more quickly than maybe some of the other running styles that you'd see? He didn't look yeah, to be slowing well, down. He's such a but, fucking beast. Like, oh, I'm he not is. Really sure. It's a fucking tank. <laughs> and he is. I think he's someone who, like, by the time he gets to, like, 29, 30, will be a lot less effective. But there's still a couple more years where I think he could still be at his current level. Mm. I think there's, like, you can get, like, two, maybe three years of top-level gay play if he avoids injury. And he does that kind of, that. I think he has that kind of, like, I think he he actually just bulldozes over people. So maybe you, you hypothesize that, well, he's actually the dominant one in tackling. He's the one dominating the tackles. So he actually is, ironically, like perhaps less prone to getting injured because of that, because he's not the one getting hurt, like someone like Todd Gurley, um, who obviously is amazing and it was incredibly elusive, but perhaps was getting the worst of those tackles in the game. Whereas I think more defensive defensive players ended up being worse off when Derek Henry got in the way. That's true, that's true. Uh, <laughs> so he's there, like we said, we expect him to be tied. Melvin Gordon, so he held out for a large section of last year, came back in, didn't look fantastic in the time, had a couple of fumble issues when he came in, and that could just be rust or whatever, but like we talked about this in the last offseason when he was talking about going and doing the holdout stuff. I think he's a good running back. I never thought he was a great running back. And I think he's shown that he's not as valuable as he thought he was uh, when he came back and was playing for the Chargers this year. So I'm, I'm just completely unsure how his market is going to shape up. Yeah, I think like, the talent is there. But obviously, yeah, given his production, like, I think he got into it as the season went on when he came back. Uh, but obviously you're also worrying about an attitude problem there in terms of is he going to play hard for you or is he mm. going to be a bit of a you know a bit snooty because he didn't get what he wanted so I think he's I think he's going to get paid fairly well but probably like Le'Veon Bell the, the whole that would not end up being worth uh, all the effort that he went through to, to, to kind of try and get the extra money No of course Kenyon Drake who uh, was in Arizona after being he was traded for Miami wasn't he? Um, yeah. But yeah, so he showed he showed up in a couple of games, looked pretty nice yeah. in a few spots. Um, but, like two monster games or something. Yeah. Like two games where he just like went insane. Uh, but that is there's also that element of like he looks a little bit slight for playing the position. He's had mistakes, but like we said, like the problem is we've seen most most of the players who were in Miami over the last four or five years have gotten out of Miami and suddenly been so much better than any tape showed of them while they were in Miami that maybe there is that potential there. Like, I just don't know. He doesn't seem in every game back to me and he seems a little bit flaky almost. It's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be relying on him to be my lead back. Yeah, like, I think this is someone that goes into rotation. And to be fair, like, you know, I'd say half or more of the teams in the league now de facto run rotations teams like San Francisco for example did that very effectively so yeah I wouldn't put him in as the number one running back as like the guy like every carry kind of guy but as a as someone that you could have as your 1A uh, type option alongside someone um, like Mabrita or someone else like that I think he would be very very effective um, but as you say there are worries I suppose about his uh, but uh, I suppose how much are you going to pay for someone of that scale? Like, I think yeah. you don't want to really overpay for that because the running back scheme, mm. there's so much plug-and-play ability, both in the draft every year and in these free agents that you're kind of wondering, like, why would I bother giving him a big contract? But no. I think he'll get paid decent money somewhere. Yeah. Um, we got two kind of physical ones then. Matt Breida, who looking at good in San Francisco, but was that, you know, Shanahan system is known for making running backs look good, so can we trust that entirely? 
Jordan Howard, who played really well when he was given the carries uh, last season, but was also you know splitting time isn't that effective in the passing game. It's just a good like if you're if you're having to dedicate to you know running down their throats twenty times a game that fits in perfectly. But maybe the modern game doesn't. Um, then beyond that, you've got some trade possibilities of David Johnson, who you know. Everyone still drafts in the first two rounds of their fantasy league, even though he hasn't produced <laughs> shit in years. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, who looked fat and slow last year. Uh, DeAndre Washington, Carlos Hyde, and Andy Janovich. Like, it's, it yeah, starts I, to I peter off real quick. Back. You always have to have one fullback in there. But yeah, it kind of it falls off your thing. I wouldn't mind having Jordan Howard in a rotation, but I've always been kind of a bit higher on him. But I think, I think that the days of a, fra- like a guaranteed franchise back who you give the ball to like 20 to 30 times a game is, is very rare these days. I think most teams are moving towards having, you put a Jordan Howard with a rookie like Miles Sanders, like Philadelphia did last mm-hmm. year, uh, and you have Boston Scott, you have like San Francisco where they were, like they, like if Jeremy McKinnon had been healthy, they would have been four deep at running back. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, Derek Henry is one of those rare players that you could put in there. Melvin Gordon's a kind of marginal candidate for that, but, you know, Drake, Breida, Howard, uh, Hyde, these are all players that you put in there to be part of a rotation that's the way the league's going. Mm. I think they'll be paid appropriately alongside that consideration. No, of course. Wide receiver and tight end. Uh, a lot of teams looking for these. Oakland, Green Bay, New Orleans, Dallas, Buffalo. Uh, maybe the top ones for it. Uh, Amari Cooper. It's possible he gets an extension, but I don't think he does. I don't think Dallas have the money to pay for all this altogether because they've got that. And they've got their quarterback and they've got linemen. Like it's, I think Cooper's gone. Uh, and I think that he yeah. is probably by a distance the best available wide receiver that's there because I don't think AJ Green is getting out onto the market either so I, I think Cooper yeah. followed by maybe Robbie Anderson would be like <laughs> that's because I'll, yeah. I'll take the 50-50 of a, of a great production and followed by a terrible production but I have had two years of Sammy Watkins so. <laughs> yeah I think yeah if he makes the market he should get paid very well he had a you know, after escaping the Raiders, he, he has looked solid for the Cowboys, albeit I've always thought he's been too inconsistent to be a true yeah. wide receiver one. He has these kind of drops and he kind of seems to drop off plays and just doesn't have that kind of go like go win every ball type of attitude you get from something like Julio Jones or DeAndre yeah. Hopkins. So I'd be worried about paying that bot, but if you're a free agent wide receiver of his talent, you're gonna get paid a lot of money, especially one who's still relatively young. As you mentioned, AJ Green, I think basically he's going to get tagged. Uh, there's some rumors that Joe Burrow told them to tag uh, AJ Green. I don't know how much truth there is in that, but AJ Green isn't leaving Cincinnati. No. Uh, so that kind of leaves the only other. Yeah, you have Robbie Anderson as kind of a uh, like a buy low candidate because he, mm. he obviously left. You know, you saw at the end of the season some of his huge plays, but he's not really like going to be anything more than kind of your. Deshaun Jackson type who makes those big plays in my opinion I don't think he's shown the ability to be a, a true complete wide so receiver so I, think I, think, I, think, I think he's going to get paid like that though I think, oh, I think yeah. someone's going to overpay him um, I think he's not really up to that because like, I, think- I, t- I take Robbie Anderson over Emmanuel Sanders but that's because like, I just don't trust 33, 34 year old wide receivers coming off injuries like he looked okay last season but he also didn't look as good like he didn't look like what he was whenever he left Pittsburgh. He looks slower. He looks less able to do it. I don't think he is like a wide receiver one anymore, and he's not going to get paid like one, but I think Emmanuel Sanders is like the perfect type of wide receiver two, three pickup. If you already have your guy and you want someone 
to put with them who isn't going to let you down, who, is, who knows how to play the game and who can take advantage of like single coverage and stuff like that. I think Emmanuel Sanders still has that efficacy. I think he can still be a very effective player. Yes, you're taking a risk on him, but I expect he won't get more than a two-year contract. So no. it's not that big. And then once you, get, once you get past those, you're talking about like reclamation projects or people who've had some... Like they had maybe a reclamation project for people who had a decent 2019, but not really spectacular. People like Rashad Perryman, Paul Richardson, Randall Cobb. These are guys, I don't want to say Jags, but they're basically Jags. Uh, They're not really going to let set the world on fire. They're really only wide receiver three, four candidates. And given the NFL and the roster limits, you know, it's very hard to just be a wide receiver um, if you can't play special teams, if you're going to be filling it out of the roster. So I expect those, a lot of those guys will get very little money, even if they might technically be better a wide receiver than you know some practice squad guy you get off uh, or a draft a free agent, but they can play special teams. That no, makes a huge difference. And one, one thing you'll notice is that there's not a huge amount in terms of tight ends. So Austin Hooper is there, who is okay. Yeah. Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry's probably not even going to get out of there. Like they're going to pay, they're going to pay to keep him, even though he's missed half the games of his career so far. Like, yeah. and like Eric Ebron is there. I think the, I think the, I think the tight end. Yeah, like yeah, that's that's about it, really, isn't it? Yeah, um, like it, it's very thin. Like you know, there's talk like Jimmy Graham was released by Green Bay, and there's talk of him maybe being picked up by someone. But like you're you're getting into like your Blake Jarwins or Jason Wins yeah, at that point. Horrible so shit. I think. Like Austin Hooper is kind of your perfectly average prototypical move tight end. He can catch the ball well. He runs good routes. Um, if 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 you're not if like, if you're a team that considers the pass game to be the run game, for lack of a better term, if you if you like you know those five yard gains, those ten yard gains come from your tight end, or uh, it's kind of a kind of semi slot receiver really. Mm. Uh, but he's fine. He's adequate. He's he's had a pretty solid career so far. He's still young, so I expect that he'll get paid a lot of money because. Yeah, outside of him, if Hunter Henry is tagged, which is what we expect, there's literally no one else. Eric Ebron, you know, yeah. he makes splash plays, but he's never going to be a reliable no. player for you. He's always going to have those issues with his hands and with his route running. And uh, yeah, Austin Hooper's the only one that you could trust the plug and play player at tight end this year. Yeah, so our final on the offense is the offensive line. So pretty much just always teams always looking for, for offensive linemen. Uh, four decent names here, maybe five just to mention. So we'll fly through these very quickly because we're running a little bit over on time. Trent Williams, elite player who hates the team that he's stuck with, refused to play for them last year. We talked about that story multiple times. Uh, basically, who's going to you know, give some picks to them? They're not going to get a first rounder even though they're going to ask for it. Like It's probably going to be like second and a sixth or a third and a fourth or something like that there, you know? Um but they're also going to have to give him a new contract, and he is going to want to be the top paid or the like top three paid uh, at his position. And he is a offensive tackle in his thirties who's coming off like injuries, medical concerns, hadn't played in over a year. Like I don't think I want to be the team who who, who pulls that trigger and goes, "Here's some picks, and also here's a shit huge contract." No, I, I don't, and obviously one who had cancer as well, uh, uh, so it's all, uh, which is where the, the Mzungus basically fucked him over, because yeah. uh, they, they take care of his health, but like, yeah, but he is a former all-pro left tackle, like, all-pro left tackles do not become available in today's NFL. Oh, yeah, like, that's so, the thing, he's, so, he's going to get paid, he's going to get paid so, on the fucking nose. Like. Yeah, 
because like when you look at the free agents, like there, like there are some decent tackle options for once this year. You have Anthony Costanzo, Jack Conklin, Brian Balaga, Jason Peters. Like Costanzo is probably your only other kind of left tackle candidate. Like mm. Conklin and Balaga are right tackles, but he's only ever been a solid option. He's never he's like maybe like a Pro Bowl alternate type player, yeah. and he's going to get paid a fair like a decent amount of money. But Trent Williams, that upside, that potential to just be able to set and forget for like three years your left tackle position, like Andrew Whitworth, uh, like with Seattle, um, like teams like that where they've, they've made these trades, I do think he'll get traded. And I think they might get like a third or a second even for him. And yeah, it's, like it's a lot of money, but there is so much cap room flying around these yeah. days that I expect someone will be willing to do that. So I think, yeah, Costanzo is kind of your solid, like, backup prize I suppose or if you don't want to go to the trade market just your don't want to give up picks then he's the best option for a left tackle uh, and then you have Jack Conklin and Brian Pelaga who are both very very good right tackles uh, but they are right tackles and you know Jack Conklin uh, and Pelaga have had their issues with injury uh, but they're very different players like Conklin's kind of your road grader if you're a run first team like Seattle for example or Minnesota you want to establish a run he's the kind of guy you'll go after um, he just like moves people hard um, those pass protection is, is probably on the middle of the road yeah. and Brian Balag is much more of your if you have a franchise quarterback that you want to protect like he had in Green Bay that's the type of player you want so it's kind of different strokes for different folks and then you have like like you have, you have like a, a veteran option like Jason Peters if you just want to fill a gap while you, mm. you're you probably going to draft someone and then if you're going internally you have Joe Dooney Conor McGrogan Govern Graham Glasgow and Brandon Schreff being tagged like to be tagged so he won't be available but Joe Dooney he's not been in the Patriots he's been a very effective guard um, plug and play player but the rest of them are they're all pretty solid players like I think there is actually a lot of offensive linemen out here yeah. um, so there are options there but even though that's true it's also true that many many teams need players so I think they'll still have a very healthy market despite that no of course onto the defensive side edge rusher uh, Jadavion Clowney is probably the top guy there it's weird though, because like he's uh, we we've discussed this before, and he's an elite run stuffer. He's not actually that much of a pass rusher, uh, but he wants to be paid like one. And like realistically, when you look at his numbers, yes, he's solid, but he's not actually elite at either of the two things that he's doing. So, like I get sparsity builds these markets up, but I like I I'd like him on my team, but I'd like him on my team for about a half to two-thirds of what he's going to look for. Yeah, and it's also, like, he, he came to Seattle, only had, like, uh, three and a half sacks, I think. He had that one really good game in San Francisco and didn't really have any other kind of pass rush success. Mm-hmm. Lots of pressures and advanced statistics still show he was pretty effective. But um, I think the truth is, is that he, did, he didn't suit Seattle's system completely because that's much more of a formal, like, uh, hand-in-the-ground system, whereas... Most people now agree that he looked better in Houston when he had kind of a roaming role. Mm. But of course, if you have a player just roaming around, picking his battles, that means that you're basically building the rest of the defense to make up for the fact there's going to be this hole that you can't predict based on the opinion of one mm. admittedly extremely talented player. But of course, Jadavion Clowney is a monster of a man. He, he looks like a different level of, of physical specimen, even on an NFL field, which is full of ridiculous physical specimens. That's still true, even in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So that kind of upside, that ability to just wreck the game. And mm-hmm. of course he is, yes, an elite run stuff, or he does make the run game much better by default, uh, run defense much better by default. But I think that's what people are still buying into. People, That's why you got a first, 
he was picked first overall. That's why he was traded. Why Seattle, you know, are probably willing to give a lot of money if he's willing. But if he does make the free agent mark, which is expected, someone's going to give him, you know, probably the most money of any defensive end in the league. Um, is he worth it? As you say, probably not for that money. But is he a once in a generation talent? Yes. It's just a matter of whether he can use it to his its top order. You can you as a defensive coordinator or a team believe you can make use of that no, it was once in a generation and, and, and that's the thing is that like all the all the coaches out there have egos and they all want to think well I can be the one who can unlock this I can figure this out so he's going to get paid Yannick Ngakwe he's been tagged or is almost certainly going to be tagged but will probably be tra- traded afterwards solid defensive end good pass rusher uh, he'll probably be pricey is the thing but like we said yeah. they're selling at the moment so you know. And he's he's looking to get sold, so he made a public statement on Twitter saying, basically saying thanks, well, so long and thanks for all the fish, basically yeah. to Jacksonville. So um, he wants out. Everyone now knows that. So yeah, of of like of the tag targets, he's the one who mm-hmm. almost certainly will not be on the same team next year. Yeah. Matt Judon's a similar tag and trade. Uh, he had a great year this year, nine and a half sacks. Uh, I can I could see them trading him. Uh, I think they'd like to keep him, but I don't think it's yeah. that viable. Um, it's more likely they might keep him, but yeah, like uh, there's a decent chance he gets traded if they can't come to an agreement this mm-hmm. year. No, of course, and then other ones: Dante Fowler Jr., who had a bit of a good season, a good, uh, good, uh, yeah, a good season there in 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 LA, eleven and a half sacks. So he was kind of a reclamation project from that. Uh, from that same uh, Jacksonville defense that we've been discussing, has <laughs> been slowly spreading around the league. Uh, Robert Quinn, veteran, who's good for a four-three. Bud Dupree probably tagged. Shaq Barrett, yeah, he's tagged. He's not going anywhere. Uh, Robert Quinn, Vic Beasley, Marcus Gold, Olivier Vernon. There's a few. There's a few pieces there. There's yeah. not. There's not that much standout, but there's good for doing like a Philadelphia three years ago. Build a rotational pass rush if you can get a few of these guys uh, at, at, at a decent price. So it's a decent, decent enough crew for that. Interior defensive line, we've got a couple of big names here. Chris Jones, uh, he's going to be tagged anyway. They're apparently working on an extension, but if it doesn't work out, he could probably be a tag and trade target because we did the same thing with D Ford last year. Um, all pro and run and pass, really, really, really good. Uh, you saw he was the disruptive force for that fourth quarter comeback in the Super Bowl for the Chiefs, getting his hands up. I think he batted down four different passes. Like, yeah. it was ridiculous. Love to keep him. He's going to make a shitload of money. Uh, I don't know. Can you afford him and Mahomes, basically? Well, this is the, I've, I've seen the numbers on it, and it's affordable, but it depends on getting agreements in and making sure you structure the, the money correctly because Mahomes isn't doing his agreement now. It'll be next year. Um, okay, so, that's... so you can essentially get it. Because then you've also got even the Mahomes contract will be with the with an additional year on his rookie contract, so it'll be an extension to it rather than a new one. Yeah. So you can push it out two years essentially. Um but yeah, like so that's, it's still that's an all pro talent. That's that's very rare. And if he did get to the market somehow, oh, he'd get paid uh, so either in the trade, much. either via trade or somehow by free agency, which is unlikely. You know, we're talking about someone like Sue back in the day completely resetting the market and getting absolute quarterback money basically yeah. straight up. It's madness. Leonard Williams is there as well, he's gonna be a tag extension as well. Um yeah, like, good player, looked good, no sacks, which was weird this year, but, like, every time I saw him playing, he looked good, like, he looked like he was doing his job well. Yeah, this is, like, uh, the advanced metrics people are, like, no, but he has good pressure rate, like, he does disrupt the game, and it's like, but he has no sacks, bro, that doesn't matter, <laughs> so it's very much, 
it's very much a you pay. Like I think people want to pay for sacks. Leonard Williams hasn't really been providing that, but given his draft pedigree, given some of his production over the years, I think the Giants would be low to let him go after trading for him last year. Um, I, I think they, they do want to extend them, but they aren't very close in, in negotiations right now. So this is very much a tag and keep talking type of situation. But if it doesn't work out, once again, you know we've seen over the last year or two, people are willing to trade if these things just don't work out. Mm. And Eric Armstead is also a tag extension possibility. Uh, looked good in 2019, but there was a lot of talent around there. So the question is basically, is it him or is it like the scenario, the environment that he's in that's providing it? Because he could, I'd imagine, like I said, with there's a couple of good guys, but there's not a lot of depth available in this position that like if he got out there, he'd get paid. Yeah, I think, you know, he's got that youth on his side, of course, as well, and he is a pass-rushing interior defender, so that does make a huge difference. So, yeah, he's been very up and down, like the entire San Francisco line was up until this year, so you'd be taking your risk, but I think uh, John Lynch likes his guy. He likes paying people money, but, you know, obviously with the contracts he's been given out, it'll be interesting to see if they can get something done with Armstead. This is kind of the first of the wave of big contracts they're going to have to give out on that uh, line, but uh, I suppose the biggest part both the is, is four years away so they can probably get away with it for no, now of course other interior linemen uh, DJ Reader Javon Hargrave Michael Pierce Michael Brockers Quinton Jefferson uh, Sue is still knocking around and Marcel Darius so again some some talent there one or two like young nose tackles and stuff like that but they're always a worry just because they're a position that can get injured yeah. really quickly and then a couple of like much more kind of uh uh, say senior statesman of the positions with your suits yeah, yeah, yeah. and your yeah, like, like if, you want, if, if you want to run stuff or you have plenty of options like these like these nose tackles like DJ Reader is very very highly rated as a nose tackle with a little bit of pass rush upside Michael Pierce has been doing it for years even someone like Sue he's perhaps not the pass rush specialist he used to be but he still changes the game on the line uh, but yeah if you're looking for someone who can actually rush the passer from inside it's very very slim pickings once you get beyond Chris Jones and then Williams and Eric said like Quinton Jefferson uh, is probably like a name being talked about here is getting a lot of money even though he hasn't really done anything in Seattle but he is that kind of inside outside hybrid type player who can't do that job so mm. if you want a big guy plenty of guys available if you want someone who can get to the quarterback on a more consistent basis you're probably out of luck. Yeah. Uh, we'll go linebackers and kind of DBs. We'll combine these groups a little bit. Corey Littleton is there. Good pass coverage. Solid against the run. Pretty safe option to be putting into your yeah. system. Yeah, I think I think Corey Littleton of these guys in this kind of... I, I kind of consider like coverage linebackers and box safeties to kind of be a mm. almost a single position now. Are, yeah. but he's, he's, he's a three down coverage linebacker. Very, very solid tackler. Great coverage. He says he's someone you can put into any system, 3-4 or 4-3, and he should get the job done. Uh, but once you get beyond him, you're kind of talking about guys like Joe Schobert, Blake Martinez, Michael Bradham. The best, the best description I ever heard about Blake Martinez is he will make every tackle you ask him to make, but he will make it five yards further downfield than it should have been stopped. Yeah. Like These are all guys. Like They're all pretty solid guys. They should find you know, a contract somewhere, but they're not going to change the game. And then at safety, like a strong safety, box safety, like Tony Jefferson's a veteran option. But Justin Simmons, the only one who would really excite you, is probably off the con- off the market because they'll get tagged by Denver. And then you're looking at guys like Clayton Gathers, Adrian Phillips, Bob Bell. These are all, they're okay guys, they're fine. But yeah, when you get to the back end, you're talking about like mm. people like Reddick and Correa. 
it, like there's lots of solid fill-in options, but it is not a position that right now feels like a premium position in the NFL, and that's reflected in, yeah, I suppose, in the talent level of these guys. No, like, of course. Uh, I think it's fine. Like you can get some guys here if you need to, but mm. coverage linebacker, box safety, that's not where the NFL is at right now. Yeah, and then we'll get on to our actual kind of coverage DB. So there's a couple of nice ones here. Byron Jones is there, very good, like elite level cornerback, good, young enough, like mid late twenties. Uh, should get paid pretty well. Has a good track record behind him. Uh, there's just in terms of teams you're looking at these: Houston, Detroit, Kansas City, Philly, Minnesota, San Francisco. Um, yeah, I think he'll get pretty nicely paid there. Uh, where do you think he lands? I'm just, uh, I don't know because he'll get a lot of offers. Like, yeah, I think he's he's, te- he's technically coming from the uh, kind of sort of Seattle school in terms of what the defense he's playing. So mm. you know he can play in zone, but yeah, he can play a bit of. You know, press if he needs to as well. So I think, I think teams there's enough teams desperate for like defensive backs. Like you think of teams like Houston or Detroit, especially mm-hmm. if they trade away someone like Slay. Like Kansas City could use a little bit more help, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Minnesota were awful in the defensive backfield. Uh, San Francisco have a lot of pieces they're missing this year. Um, Philly, hopefully we saw happen there. So like, I think he's the kind of all around good player that he could probably go wherever he needs to, but. I suppose anyone from the Seattle tree is a very good mm. candidate to bring, bring him in. But I think he's shown enough that I think any team would feel confident enough putting him in if he's not independent. Yeah, you're like your 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 cornerbacks you're looking at are Byron Jones, James Bradbury, maybe Chris Harris Jr. He's lost a bit of a step, but he's still good. The problem is he's, he's short for how a lot of these teams like to play their corners yeah. now at this point. Um Dakis Dernard. Yeah, like yeah, there's outside of those top two, there's not a ton. There's a lot more sitting in the safety market there, like Anthony Harris, Jimmy Ward, Devin McCourty. Like those are three. Like McCourty maybe a little bit older, but those are three good options at that top end of that spot. Like Harris is an all pro. Uh, Ward looked great, but you know. The pass rush might have helped them look a bit better. Yeah, it might, it might, yeah, might, might have having that that rotation of six different first round picks on yeah. the defensive line probably assisted it a bit. I think Anthony Harris is an all-pro player. I think if you want someone uh, uh, who just could play safety, uh, both in the box, in coverage, he's someone who could do it all. He's shown it all. He is 29, so obviously defensive backs don't get any better as they get older tendency due to the loss of speed. But I think if you're looking for someone to improve a team that's a contender right now, he's a perfect player. And then Jimmy Ward, I think you saw some of the upside there. He's more of a like longer-term project, but we'll see. And Evan McCourty is the definition of a contender looking to make that final push type of thing. Mm. And yeah, yeah, the other cornerbacks like yeah, Chris Harris, like Denard and Jimmy Smith are both solid options as kind of more pure cornerbacks, like mm. uh, outside cornerbacks. But then you have options like Roby or Kendall Fuller, who perhaps uh, maybe might make more sense inside. Oh yeah, like, like, like Ken- Kendall's Robbie. a slot. Like we we played yeah. him in both positions. And he was significantly better in the slot than he was when he was playing on the outside. Yeah, and Rodney, Rodney Cloud's another guy who might might be worth taking a look at. Mm. But I think it, there are options out there. I think like Brian Poole is another guy who might have been considered worth consideration. But yeah, I think a quarterback. If you don't get Jones and Bradbury, you're probably just looking for a veteran guy like Harris or maybe yeah. just someone you're willing to invest a bit of money in to see if they could be a you know get into that top two rotate like basically your CB two type of situation. For someone like Roby or Poole or Dinard. Yeah, and we've obviously got our special teams if that's where you need to find your improvement. So, uh, Greg the Leg is out there, Kyby Fireburn, Dan Bailey, uh, then you've got like Lachlan Edwards, the punter, Matt Bosher, uh, Adam Vinatieri. Is he 
still going or is he retired? Yeah, technically. Yeah. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I think. Yeah, a lot, a, a lot of these are a lot of these are players who have a very good, solid history, but maybe had a down year or maybe two down years. Uh, so like Greg Leg, he good got the distance, but like you know had missed a few. Kyrie Fairbairn missed what five extra points. Uh, like it's just not yeah, a bit shaky uh, on some of them. Greg Greg Leg's probably the only one that you would invest any significant money into, just because he has that that long field goal upside and he mm-hmm. has had years where he's also been very accurate but yeah like Fairburn's just a guy Dan Bailey like I think he's the kind of guy you pick up if you don't get any of the guys you want in mm-hmm. free agency or the draft and he's just like solid at this stage and Vinatieri maybe he'll get a job just because there's so few options out there at the moment yeah. um, maybe back in Indianapolis but uh, yeah it's not a great year for special teams unfortunately no real you know no real great long snappers out there unfortunately uh, yeah. so you're going to have to wait another year if you want to make the real difference for your team, I'm afraid. No, of course, of course. But yeah, so that's kind of a good kind of primer on what's out there and the type of people you'll be looking at. This will obviously change a bit. Like we said, the tag stuff will be coming through in the next couple of days. We'll get clarity on the CBA, I would expect. Around that point, we're going to start seeing some trade talks about a few more players as well. Particularly, yeah. like we mentioned, there's a lot of ones there that are potential tagging trades and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so this... It's going to be crazy, basically. Yeah. If the C, even if the CBA, if the CBA is rejected or accepted, whatever happens on the fourteenth, uh, the the couple of days between that, the start of free agency is going to be absolutely bonkers. So, like this, like usually this is spread over a much longer period in terms of extensions and signings and trades. This year it's going to happen all in one big go. So, you know, keep your keep your pants on because it's going to get pretty. Exciting out there. Yeah, I feel bad for some of those like NFL insiders. Like their thumbs are just not going to exist after the after the week of all that shit happening. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think we should have some very interesting bits to chat about then. And then obviously on top of all this, this is all kicking off, and then we've got the draft coming up in three weeks' time as well. We'll have to do a draft primer for you as well, let you kind of know who the important people are. I need to go and research that because I haven't been paying enough attention. <laughs> when you pick 32nd, you don't have too many options. You're like, okay, who's like the fifth best linebacker? Uh, <laughs> but no, it'll be, yeah, uh, it'll be fun. Uh, so yeah, I'd expect to see a lot of pieces moving over the next little bit. Uh, so we are probably going to migrate to doing... What, every well, we'll do, we'll do one before the draft and one post the draft, presumably. Yeah, uh, so we'll probably combine everything that happened in free agency with the kind of pre-draft three five line of the draft. Yeah, and then we'll do uh, our we'll posts, do, and we'll start. Yeah, and then being, we'll do our uh, we'll do a quick uh, mock draft special show off. Our oh skills. yeah, our mock draft specials. <laughs> Man, I had that one year where I got a lot of them quite right, and then I've just been terrible ever since. <laughs> it's almost like it's just pure luck. Like, like I think I think I think I think I think I won our three way competition the last time and I won it by scoring like seventeen points out of a possible eighty or something like that. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good performance. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's uh, it was good. So I suppose uh, as long as we didn't put any questions in this time because we just had so much to to cover off to try and get through it. But we'll take a few of the questions on the next one, particularly if you have any draft related ones, then those in particular will be useful. So drop them to us on Facebook, on Twitter, on all those kind of bits and pieces. Uh, so yeah, so I'm just gonna hold myself up here. Uh, maybe you know, buy some weaponry, buy some long life food, and get ready to you know expect the oncoming zombie apocalypse from coronavirus as it appears to be uh, 
on the way. I'm getting messages from friends about how uh, some of the policy things that happen in World War Z are happening around the world at the moment, which is uh, <laughs> always not worrying to see. Um, what about you, sheep? <laughs> that's it. Any crack with yourself? Any plans for the next little bit? Uh, it's pretty uh, quiet. Uh, I expect it to be even quieter if Ireland goes full lockdown as well at some point. But uh, yeah, we're probably just tipping around, kind of enjoying the time and hopefully that uh, now that we're into spring that things might cheer up a little bit around here because it's been, as I said at the start, it's been pretty fucking terrible for about a month now. Mm. Uh, so maybe actually go outside for a while, that might be fun. Yeah, we've had the opposite. We had like, we got snowed in here about three weeks ago. The whole town shut down. Like it was, it was crazy for about half a week, four or five days. And then the weather has changed so quickly that it's now springtime. We went for a hike on the weekend. We had to throw on sunscreen two or three times just for like a three hour long hike because it was that fucking warm all of a sudden. So it's really turned, <laughs> really turned the corner from sub-zero freezing to, oh my God, I'm melting. What is this real? What are, what are these real seasons, seasons that you speak of? Like, I, why isn't every month just grey, grey, <laughs> a bit of sun? Like, no, of course. But I suppose that'll wrap us up for this episode. We'll see you in about two or three weeks for our draft preview. But for now, it's bye from myself, bye from Roman. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you in about a week or two.